We're so thankful that you guys are here. We have a special day planned, a Father's Day message called The Responsibility of a Father. I have the privilege of introducing the person who's going to introduce us today, a pre-father, Jaden Smotherman. Would you come up here and, and get us started? How are we all doing this morning? Okay, so before I begin, I just want to let you guys know I'll only be speaking for 45 minutes. I'll be super quick. We'll get you guys out of here by maybe 3 o'clock. I think we'll all be good with that. Um, but like, I, like my dad said, um, everybody, my name is Jaden. I'm Pastor Jay and Brooks' son. As most of you may know, I just graduated high school. Um, I'm a senior at, or was a senior, at New Hope Christian High School. Um, so I'm not anywhere close to being husband, let alone be a father. Um, so it won't make sense for me to talk to the fathers in the room, but it's, I'm here to talk about the pre-fathers. Um, it's my job to introduce three fathers that are in various stages of fatherhood. We will, uh, following me, we'll have Pastor Justin, who's a new father, Pastor Jay, a father in the middle of raising a teenager and a 10-year-old that acts like a teenager, and John Anderson, a grandfather who has raised kids all the way. When I start to think about becoming a father and fatherhood, the task can seem daunting. Um, God has entrusted me to raise a man or woman of God in today's world, which in today's society can seem impossible. Um, with all the stuff that you see on the news and all the things that public schools are promoting nowadays, it, it seems hard to raise children in God. But I get excited thinking about God entrusting me with a life and protecting it and raising it in, in uh, his ways. Um, it has been said that a child is not likely to find a father in God unless he finds something of God in his father. This stresses the importance of a father or a father figure to be found on his knees crying out to God and asking him to guide him. In the 1960s, a stat was conducted that said 5% of children were raised without a father in the home. It is now close to 40%. This is quite possibly the reason why the world is a state that it is in now. Four out of ten fathers are absent from the home, and that has caused both spiritual and natural disorder. I'm going to step on some toes this morning, um, but it's interesting why the least attended special service all year is Father's Day. It's been one of my observations that in movies or cartoons portray, uh, portray fathers as absent or laughable figures. Uh, figures sorry. Um, when was the last time you can remember watching a movie and you remember seeing a great father leading his household and doing it right? The success of a man has been rated by everything except by, sorry, the success of a man has been rated by everything except by taking on the real respons responsibility of fatherhood. A man is now looked at or rated by how rich or successful they are at their jobs or careers. Some of the most admired businessmen, athletes, entertainers, even ministers have suffered tragic failures in their families. You will hear dreams from, oh wait, sorry, got ahead of myself. Uh, the unspoken heartache of today's church is how many of our kids have grown up in a church with more questions than answers. We hope today's simple me message will encourage fathers to, to take their place as leaders in their homes and not discourage them this morning. We can have successful families this morning. Oh, sorry. We can have successful families, and this morning we want to give three characteristics of a caring father. You will hear dreams from a new, new father, Pastor Justin, 
hopes and worries from a father currently in the thick of raising kids, Pastor Jason, and wisdom from victories and or regrets from uh, John Anderson. Our hope is today that we will return to the promise found in Malachi chapter 4, and it says, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Dear God, we pray would your presence stay in this room, Father, would you begin to, would you use the speakers this morning to move through the audience and all the fathers? God, would you encourage them this morning? We pray would you bless all the fathers on this special day. In your name, amen. Now I would like to welcome Pastor Justin. As I begin this morning, I want to do a quick shout out to our middle schoolers. This one's for you today. So all the middle schoolers that are sitting down right now and they're not currently in the whole center, thank you guys for listening. So a little bit of context uh, about myself. So almost five months ago, we had our little guy Jethro. And if you haven't had the chance, he is adorable. I am biased. But uh, it's been an amazing, fun process uh, learning what it looks like to be a dad. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what it looks like to set the pattern as a dad. So uh, I want to start off with this scripture found in Joshua 24, 15. It says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is a really powerful scripture that I want to focus in on. And the father is the pattern for the family. See, children will follow the footsteps of their dad. And I can tell you this firsthand growing up, uh, as a young boy, I wanted to be my dad. I wanted to be like my dad. And as a, as a young man now, and as a, a new father, I look at the things I see my dad do, I'm like, holy cow, like, it's amazing. I see why he did certain things, and I understand pieces. And even as, as a man today, I want to be more like my dad. I want to follow the pattern that my dad set. So what are fathers uh, supposed to lead? Their job is to create an atmosphere in which the gifts in the family are able to be expressed. His job is to set the pattern. And I've been fortunate to see this play out in my own family. My dad was a man who set the pattern for me. He demonstrated what it looked like to walk in humility and seek the voice of God. And one specific pattern, just I was processing what, what, what's an example that I could share with you guys of, oh, of something my dad set the example with and that I'm following today. And one example that uh, really stood out and that was super impactful for me is uh, a moment where uh, when my dad first had my oldest brother, Jordan, uh, the Holy Spirit, he, he, there's a few moments where my dad says that he's specifically heard the voice of God where it was almost audible. And uh, when my oldest brother was born, he heard the voice of God and it said, as a father, you have a blessing to give to your kids. You can choose anything and I'm gonna bless your kids in that direction. What do you want it to be? And so uh, my dad began to pray and he began to, well, I don't know. I don't know what my kids, what the most important thing is that my kids need. And so my dad began to pray. And... uh, What my dad felt like the Lord was leading him to bless his kids with was that his kids would have a double portion of his Holy Spirit. Oh, man. This um, this is not hard for me to talk about because I'm in front of you guys. It's hard because 
I've got to live with the blessing that my dad gave me. Yeah. So my dad has prayed this blessing over us since uh, we've been young, and I can tell you with confidence I've experienced this blessing. I live with a double portion of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. And now, as having a little one, I plan to do the same. I want to continue the pattern that my dad set of blessing my new little son. And the specific blessing that I'm praying over Jethro is is slightly different than my dad's, but I know that this is a pattern that is going to be powerful and going to have a lasting impact. Ah, oh, man. <laughs> but the cool thing about patterns is they don't just pass from father to son and in there. Patterns travel from generation to generation. My grandfather, at an early age, decided that he wasn't going to drink because he had seen the damage it caused to families. He, he watched his dad damage family relationships and other family members completely destroy their families and marriages because of alcohol addiction. Because of these influences, he made the decision not to drink. And this pattern was passed on to my dad and during my early years, I continued this pattern because I wanted to honor Jesus and I wanted to create a family atmosphere that was healthy. Because of this decision, I've never had to go through the pain of regretting decisions I've made while being unaware. I've never had to deal with the issue of alcohol because my grandfather chose to put that stake in the ground. And what I want to say to all you dads in the room today, whether you're struggling with something or there's an area that you can't, you don't know how you're going to make it through that or how you're going to begin to set that pattern, I want you to know that there's a little boy. There's a little boy down the line in the future that someday uh, is going to have that pattern. If you choose to make the hard decision, it's decisions, it's going to have that pattern set for them. And it's going to be easy because you chose to do the hard work. So, man, this, this one's an emotional one for me. So, I, when I was getting this message prepared, and I, I have these notes typed out about, well, how, what does it look like, or what, what's the most important thing that you need to know to begin to even set the pattern for your family? And I had a, a handful of ideas that I was like, man, these are really impactful, good ideas to set the, pa- the pattern for your family and things that are really important. But during worship this morning, I was reminded that the tendency as a man, at least for me, and I'm sure a lot of you can relate, is that we want to do. We're like, yeah, we got this. We're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and it's going to change, and we got it, and we're going to make it happen. But what I was reminded in worship this morning is that 
how we set the patterns for our family is not three easy steps or ten easy steps or a handful of principles, but it's, it's much harder but much simpler than that. It's simply dependence on his Holy Spirit. Because if, if we follow one basic principle or a few principles, our kids are going to think, your sons are going to think that they just simply do this and they get the result. But your kids need to see the process of what it looks like to wrestle with life and to wrestle with specific situations. You see, when we teach dependence on the Holy Spirit, it doesn't just teach the solution to the problem, but it teaches the process to solving the problem or getting to where we need to go. So, as, as a man in this room, if you want to set the pattern for your family, learn to not be strong in your own strength, but learn to be dependent on His Holy Spirit. So I want to leave you with this, lastly, I'm going to leave you with this study. There was a study done by Jonathan Edwards a historian who traced 200 years of descendants, 13 presidents of universities, 65 college professors. Over 60 uh, of these became doctors. Over 100 became lawyers and over 100 preachers. Over 60 authors, over 30 judges, over hundreds of public servants, teachers, and educators. And it's not an accident that the pattern was set, the copy was made, the blueprint given. What we leave in our children is much more important than what we leave to our children. It's clear that it's important for us as fathers to set the pattern. Next, we're going to dive in to how fathers are providers for their families. I don't know if it's ever been spoken from this microphone to Pastor Justin and Kylie, but you guys are two special people, and we are blessed to have you guys here, your heart for people and your heart for him. There's nothing that we won't do for you two, and Jet. Jet's pretty cool too. All right. Fathers are supposed to be providers. I was 15 years old. My dad had been battling sickness for three or four years, wasn't able to work. My mom was a church secretary, and I'll never forget the moment when my mom gave me $20 to go to the local Food for Less to get that week's meals. I am reminded that uh, dads don't just provide for their families homes and meals, but they also provide a whole bunch of other things. But I'll never forget, we had a family friend able, was able to, to take me to Food for Less. I ran in there, I grabbed the most food I can find for $20, and it was the most teenage food that I can find for $20, all right? So I scoured, I scoured Food for Less, and what I came up with was two loaves of bread and the biggest pack of ham that I can find. And I figured, well, we're going to just have ham sandwiches for the week. And I remember walking out of there and being a little bit bummed and a little bit ashamed because our family only had $20 for the week. And I remember I loaded the bread into the car, and I drove home, and when I got to the house, all I had was two bags of bread. I had left the meat in the shopping cart and had let down our family. So I figured, what are we going to do? We're going to have bread this week. That was it. I learned very quickly 
about, hey, A, how to trust in the Lord and how beautiful the church was. The church had heard about our plight, heard about what we were going through. And by the next few hours, we had food enough to, to do well. And as you can see today, I've ate plenty of food and I think everything's okay. Um, but I was reminded about the example that my father left. And it was not just providing financial means and resources, but it's also providing beyond. 1 Timothy 5 and 8 says it this way. If anyone does not provide for his family, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Sometimes in our relationship with our children, we will give them a dime, but we won't give them time. We give them a car, but we won't give them our care. We give them expectations, but really what we need to give them is examples. There are times when we'll give them correction in what they are doing wrong, but we don't give them communications of things that they're doing right. There are times when we'll teach our children how to play, but there are times when we don't teach our children how to pray. It's our job as fathers and the responsibility that we have is to be providers. I was writing down some reasons of why us men struggle to provide. The first reason I came up with is what oftentimes has been modeled to us. I want you to know this morning that you don't need to be afraid to learn from someone else's successes. It's what makes the body of Christ beautiful, is that the thing that you're good at might not be the thing that someone else is good at, but it what, it what makes the body of Christ pretty powerful. There's been many times as a father that I have looked to the tools in my own toolbox and said, how am I going to be able to teach my sons certain things? There are people in here that are just mechanically inclined. They can look at something and it gets fixed. And then there's me. <laughs> I look at things and they break. This whole journey of... of Coming to Grants Pass has been a very interesting journey for me because I haven't had my brother-in-law Ben to call. I haven't had my brother Steve to talk to. I haven't had church connections to be able to reach out to and say I need help. It has been me. And my TV, uh, I want you guys to know, to be proud of, it is hung up on the wall and it has stayed there for a whole year and there are no wires exposed. <laughs> Give this pastor a big round of applause. That's pretty cool. It might be a little like this, but we just turn our head and it's straight, so we're good. It's amazing, though, what happens in life when you realize the tools that you have in your toolbox to raise your kids, you don't necessarily have all of them, but that's really the power of the church. The power of the church is the things that you're good at, someone else might not be good at, and the things that you're not good at, someone else might be. It's why us men have to have and be in fellowship with each other. I also want to remind you this Saturday, 8 a.m., is our first Saturday men's breakfast. Jason Van Dusen is going to be leading some worship. I'll be bringing a short devotion. We've got a full breakfast being uh, provided at $0 cost. Look to your neighbor and say, it's free breakfast, so you better show up. The reason why it's so important is because on Saturday, I'm going to wrangle up Jaden and Jace out of their bed, and I'm going to bring them into a group full of men that they're going to be able to glean things from them that they might not be able to glean from their own father with. There are strengths that I have, and there are weaknesses that I have, and I have to be willing to recognize that it's okay to learn from someone else's successes. When I think about the great people and the great men in this room, I think about people like Steve Elam, that if you need help financially with financial planning, you can go to him. When I think about cars, you can go to a guy named James. When you think about um, landscaping, you can go to someone like Joseph. When I think about the church... I think about how beautiful it is, is that we can live life together and our strengths and our weaknesses will complement each other. 
so that you don't have to be ashamed about the areas that you're deficient in or the things that maybe haven't been modeled to you. The second area that I think about why we struggle to provide is not just what has been modeled to us, but what has or hasn't been mentioned to us. Us as men, we recognize that we all have deficiencies in our lives. And the last thing that we should do is ignore our deficiencies. We should actually learn from them. Most men, I believe, are scared about the things that they're not good at when really it should be something that they take as an opportunity to grow in. It's, a, it's an interesting pattern that I found as pastoring churches. Typically, the, the families that are struggling in their marriages will hang out with each other. The families that are struggling with their children will hang out with each other. The families that have kids that are going through a certain issue or, or will hang out with each other. The complainers will hang out with each other. Shout out to Pastor St. John's message last Sunday. I asked him, I said it was great, and he said, well, don't complain about it. So I learned something. <laughs> um, but isn't it interesting that we oftentimes will hang out or feel more comfortable with the, the, around people that have the same issues that we have when in reality, if you want to continue the pattern that was set in the negative, continue to do that. But God allows you to be around other iron sharpeners that will allow you to grow in areas that you've been deficient in. The third area that I think that we struggle in, the reason why we struggle to provide, is the areas that we're unaware of by us. The worst mistake we make is the areas of our lives that we don't even know that we need to correct. And I want to ask fathers in this room just a very, a very simple challenge to you. I know oftentimes it's hard to hear criticism. I know as a leader, you have to get used to it very quickly because everyone has an opinion and some people, most people have two opinions that they would like to give you. But I think the greatest place that you can find yourself as a father or a leader is someone that when criticism comes their way, doesn't shun it, but actually embraces it. There are areas, people in your life that love you that will tell you the areas that, you need to str that you're struggling in if you would only be willing to listen. I, I, um, I'll never forget one of the hardest moments of a father that I had was uh, my oldest son, Jaden. He was a natural introvert. He wasn't really a well, uh, like when I watch you up here, son, today, the way that you communicated, the way that you're growing, you make this father proud. Uh, but as, yeah, would you give him, Jaden, a big round of applause? You make me proud. Um, but it always wasn't the case. I remember him being 12 and 13 years old, wanting to tell me things, but he couldn't muster up the courage or the ability to do so because he didn't want to let me down. And there was this moment where my wife had to be the mediator, and my son, as he was tearing up, staring out the window, was trying to tell me things. And I was like, son, why don't you just look at me and tell me what you need to tell me? And my wife looked at me and said, because he doesn't communicate the way that you communicate doesn't mean that he's communicating wrong. It means that he's communicating the way that he knows how to communicate. And I remember uh, sitting in that, that kitchen having an hour conversation about things and issues that we were going with through as a family. And I remember, I remember the moment, like it was yesterday, where, where dad, husband, father, pastor, maybe you've got some blind spots in your life that if you'll just listen to your family, they'll be able to help you grow along the way. And I want you to know as fathers, to provide isn't just to provide financially. It's not just to provide a covering over your, your house or your, or your family with roof over their head and, and clothes on their back and food on their table. It is that. 
but it's more than that. Some of the richest uh, dads have passed off the greatest legacies of their kids, haven't been with dollars. It's been with a spiritual legacy that has allowed their family to remain in the kingdom of God. It's a wise man that leaves a heritage to his children's children. And it's not our job just to provide the pattern, but it's our job to be providers. John, would you come? Would you welcome John Anderson up this morning as he closes us out? Good morning. Happy Father's Day. So when I started preparing for this, I get the, the first thing you probably notice is I'm the only guy up here with glasses. So that kind of gives an evidence of the age gap here. And this morning I kind of contemplated, well, almost talked to my wife about how can you help me dress so that I look more Jaden age or more Justin age. And I couldn't pull it off and I knew it, so I didn't. I'd have to shave and get hair dye and... <clears throat> So, okay, my name's John Anderson. I've been attending Parkway since 1981. I recently had my 70th birthday, and I'm the father of three and grandfather of seven. Some would say I have a lot of life experience. I think I do. If you were around me, me much, you would eventually hear me say something like, if I had only known then what I know now, life could have been so much different. But that's not how God plans things. He plans things in a way we don't always understand. We've already heard this morning about two responsibilities of a father. And what a wonderful opportunity to hear Jaden and Justin, your emotion, and Pastor sharing and contemplating what a father should look like, what the future that he has in front of him. I consider it a wonderful opportunity because it doesn't happen often. It should, but it doesn't. We don't hear it enough. When I was 17, contemplating fatherhood was the last thing on my mind. If I had considered it, I'm sure I would have said something like, I do know one thing, I'm going to do it a lot different than he did. That would have been the thought that I had. When I was thinking about what to say this morning, I was reminded of a famous quote by Mark Twain. <clears throat> How many of you in here know it's not easy to be a parent? <laughs> it's not easy to be a father. But I was reminded of a famous quote by Mark Twain. Some in this room will understand what I'm saying. Won't mean as much for Jaden or Justin, but pastors aging up, you're probably going to get this. Mark Twain once said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. When I, when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. Charles Wadsworth had this to say, by the time a man realizes that his father was right, he has a son who thinks he's wrong. <laughs> Being a father's not easy, but I am so thankful that God blessed me with the opportunity and privilege to be called dad and papa. There's really nothing that compares to hearing the words, I love you, dad. I love you, papa. We've learned this morning from, as Justin shared with us, that a father sets the pattern in Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Pastor Jason spoke to us about the Father being a provider and shared with us 1 Timothy 5, 8. I'd like to speak a little bit to you this morning about one more role as a father. He is a protector. Genesis 18, 19 tells us, for I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. When I read that scripture, it spoke a different, 
got a different way to me. I've never read it where it's jumped out at me like this, but I heard the Holy Spirit speak it to my heart when I read it. I'm going to read it a little different for you this morning. For I have chosen you so that you will direct your children and your household after you to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for you what he has promised you. Fathers are called upon to be a leader and a protector for the family and to give an example of Christ's love by being loving towards the children's mother. He is also to be strong in faith and to bring the children up knowing right from wrong. Joshua 1.9 tells us, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. As a father, how do you protect your family? You protect your family physically. You protect yourself. You try to discover who you are in Christ's eyes. Not what the enemy is trying to tell you, but you try to discover who you are. You protect your family spiritually by praying for them. You can use most any measure that you like when speaking of a success. You can measure it in a fancy home, expensive cars or clothes. But the real measure of your success is the one you cannot spend. It's the way your son or your daughter describes you when they're talking to a friend. Years ago, I, had, I was challenged with a thought. And the thought was this, if I could see myself through my children's eyes, what would I see? Would I see a man that's full of the love that's talked about in 1 Corinthians 13? Or would I see somebody that's arrogant and all full of himself? Sometimes I didn't always like what I saw. That's the enemy attacking us and get, trying to get some ground and causing me to feel less than who I am. A pastor shared this story. Recently, I asked the preschool class in our Sunday school to draw a picture of God for me. I intended to use them as an illustration for my Sunday sermon. Toward the end of the class, I, I turned to see how they were coming along. The children were excited to show me their work. They came up with some pretty good pictures of clouds, rainbows, and men with big hands. Finally, my own daughter showed me her picture. It was a picture of a man wearing a suit and a tie. Before I had a chance to say anything, she said, I didn't know what God looked like, so I drew my daddy instead. Sigmund Freud once said, I cannot think of any need in childhood as strong as the need for a father's protection. How can you protect your children? I think Clarence Kellen had a wonderful suggestion when he said, my father didn't tell me how to live. He lived and let me watch him do it. Justin, thanks for what you shared and the example that your father set. Matthew 5, 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. If we live by the principles of the gospel, we are the fulfillment of the Savior's pronouncement. You are the light of the world. Will Rogers Jr. said it this way, his heritage to his children wasn't words or possessions, but an unspoken treasure of his example as a man and as a father. A father, he sets the pattern. He is the provider. He is the protector. 
I'd like to take a moment just before Pastor Jason comes back up to close and speak to those fathers here this morning, those of you who have children approaching adulthood or children that are grown and out of the house, maybe your grandparent. As we have been sharing this morning, you find yourself in a place of self-examination. Maybe you're even thinking, if I had known then what I know now. I think self-examination is good. I think it's very necessary, but it can be a slippery slope. And we need to be careful, can open the door to the enemy to attack and cause you to feel less than who you are in Christ's eyes. It's important for all of us to understand that there is only one perfect father. Only one father that knows best. We all had hopes and dreams for our children and grandchildren. We all want them to prosper, to have better than we have, to not have to face the difficulties that we had to face. And many times, many times we think we have the best plan for their lives, and if they would just listen to us, all would go well. The truth is, there's only one best plan, and it's not ours. The I in Jeremiah 29, 11 does not refer to me or to you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. If you find yourself discouraged as you self-examine, remember this. Our children are gifts from God. They don't belong to us. We don't own them. They are on loan to us as a gift from him. They belong to him. He holds them in his hands and he always will. He is the one who has prepared a path and a plan for their lives. He who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. We don't choose or control their destiny. They have their own story. They have their own walk and together with God, they'll find their place. Did you make mistakes raising your children? Probably. He's bigger than your mistakes. He takes what the enemy means for harm and he turns it around and he uses it for good. There are those in this room, when pastor spoke this morning about moving on, that are still living in a little place of regret. We cannot allow ourselves to live in a place of regret. That's where the enemy wants us. We have to move on. Some felt this morning that you're not good enough to even to come to the altar. What you're holding inside and what you're dealing with, God couldn't possibly accept you. I don't care where you've been, what decisions you've made, how bad you, how bad you feel you've messed up your life or the lives of your children. Paul says it this way, with every breath in me, I forget those things which are in the past, and I press on, I move toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You need to forget the things the enemy means and uses to cause you to think you're less than you are. We are children of the king. We are masterpieces made in his image. Quit living in a place of regret. We had an opportunity this morning to move on. I don't think that opportunity is past us. Pastor Jay. I can listen to that radio voice all day. <laughs> Soothing. 
If you're a father or grandfather, would you stand up as we get ready to pray a prayer of blessing over you? Yeah, fathers and grandfathers, would you stand up? There's two things that I, um, I want to encourage the, the families that are next to you sitting down with. There's a lot of places that these dads, these grandfathers can be, but the fact that you chose to be here today on Father's Day in church, thank you for your leadership. My son said it um, in the opening. He said, you know, it's been his observation that the least attended special service in the American church is Father's Day. And I want you to not weaponize, the, the enemy to weaponize what I'm about to say to these men that are here. If you're on the lake or having a barbecue with your kids, be blessed. That's not the point of this. It's not condemnation. But my hope as a pastor is that Father's Day would become one of the greatest attended services in Parkway because fathers begin to take the lead of their families and say, hey, we're going to grow spiritually and then we're going to have fun after the service. My boys and I, we have a wonderful day planned today. We're going to go watch a movie. We're going to go out and grab something to eat. Um, I just wanted you to know from the, from the bottom of my heart, thank you men for leading your families well. Would you guys give these men a big round of applause for being here today? The second thing I, and the final thing before I pray over you is this. People have often asked this, this pastor who's in the middle, do you have any advice on raising children? And I said, you don't want any advice from me. I, I'm in the middle of the proving ground. I've got an 18-year-old and an 11-year-old that they're going to have to make their own decision on if they're going to serve God or not. We can't make that decision for them, can we? Some of our kids have been raised in the church and raised right, and they, they make a left-hand turn, and we're praying that God will do what the book of Malachi says he'll do, which will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the hearts of the children, the children back to the hearts of the father. And that those seeds that were planted, we, we believe in scripture that those don't return void. And so right now, if you've got sons or daughters that are walking away from the Lord, we're going to pray that every seed that was planted come forth right now in Jesus' name. Um, but people have often asked me, what, Pastor, do you have any advice? Do you What's been your favorite season of, of being a father? And whatever the reason, this has always been my answer. Right now? There hasn't been a season raising my boys. Every new season's been my favorite. I was watching Jaden graduate high school. I was watching Jace get promoted to junior high, and I was filled with tears and and Jaden is having to live with a dad who's right now being a lot of being a, you know very introspective. We were, we were at Dairy Queen a couple months ago getting tires at Les Schwab, and I'm sitting in Dairy Queen just weeping. And he's like, "Dad, stop it!" And I'm like, "No, son. There's things that I got to tell you, and there's things I've got to impart in you. There's things I've got to." And he's like, "Well, don't do it now at Dairy Queen with tears." It's almost like when your kids get to that graduation stage, there's, you, you reminisce on all the things you wish you would have told them or the missing building blocks that you wish you would have had, the more time that you wish you would have had. But I just wanted to encourage you. I don't know if, you're, if your kiddos are in their 50s or 60s or 70s. I don't know if your kids are still in elementary school or if they're still on the front row being held by mom. The one encouragement that I have for you today is enjoy this part of your fatherhood. It's not too early. 
and it's not too late. But if you've got a 50 or 60 year old son or daughter, give them a phone call today. If you've been estranged from your children, we have a promise that God is gonna turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the hearts of their children back to their fathers. And what an incredible thing and responsibility it is as fatherhood, that responsibility doesn't stop when Jade moves out. It doesn't stop when Jace is gone and we're empty nesters. The opportunity to live in fatherhood continues. And that the most important day of fatherhood wasn't yesterday, it's right now. That we have an opportunity, no matter where our kids are at, we can pray for them, we can cover for them, we can set the pattern, we can provide, and man, we can protect. So let me pray a prayer of blessing over you. I know these moments can be quite, quite touchy, especially if you're estranged from children and you've got tons of regrets, but John did an incredible job forgetting those things which are behind you. The most important day of fatherhood is what? Today. Heavenly Father, you see some of our sons and daughters that are walking away from you right now. Every seed that has been planted, every tear that has been shed, Father, would you send your ministering angels and your Holy Spirit to our kiddos right now? Would you bring our sons and daughters home? Father, I know some of the stories that are in this room, stories of heartache, stories of praying for their kids to come back to you. Father, right now, would you send your Holy Spirit to them? Remind them of your goodness. Father, whatever it takes, Father, whatever it takes, would you open up that door of conversation again and would you turn the hearts of those kids back to the hearts of their fathers? Father, for those that are in the middle of raising kids or just starting, Father, would you allow them the Spirit to be teachable, to learn first and foremost from the Holy Spirit and then those that are around them? Father, we pray wisdom over them, those that are yet to be fathers. Father, you're working on the father that they're becoming right now. So many fathers in this room would wish and give all the money in the world to go back and start over again. So Father, would you allow those fathers that are yet to be, would you give them the insight to go ask the people around them for your supernatural wisdom? Father, a blessing over these fathers on Father's Day. Father, would you open doors that only you can open? Would you cause the hearts of these fathers to be turned to the, their children and their children back to their fathers? Blessings on them, we pray. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says, now go have something good to eat and go watch a good movie. And family, make your dads feel special today, all right? God bless you guys. We'll see you on Saturday, men's breakfast, outreach on Saturday, next Sunday morning. We love you.